You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, Georgina Campbell, Ireland's leading independent hospitality guide, is back with us with details about the latest Board Bia Just Ask campaign restaurant of the month. I'm in the heart of County Limerick's largest town, Newcastle West, to talk to sushi master Martina about opening a sushi bar. And I also call to the market in the centre of the town there to say bonjour to Jeff Glue from Brittany. And finally, at the end of the show, it's off to Atty Flynn Estate for a pressing engagement with Paul Mordaunt to find out about their refreshing apple juice. Did you get that? Pressing apple juice. Stick to the script, Sharon, I hear you say. Okay, so before that, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here on the show. You can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can also tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So every month we check in with Georgina Campbell from Georgina Campbell's Ireland Guide to find out about the Board Be It Just Ask restaurant of the month. And this month we're going to hear about two recent winners, one from Letterkenny and one from Skibbereen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Georgina, we're going to talk about two of the recent winners in the Just Ask Board Be It campaign. Uh, just to remind us, the Board Be A Just Ask initiative, it's all about locally sourced ingredients and, and for staff to be able to answer any questions that a diner has. Yes, it is. It's a public awareness campaign and it really the aim is to encourage consumers to look for information. So hopefully, now obviously this is intended to encourage chefs and restaurateurs to put the information on their menus and on their websites and very clearly and unequivocally. But also for the diner, Uh, to take responsibility also to ask if they don't see the information that they want. Well, Skibbering is down in West Cork. It's one of those parts of the country that is really spoiled for... It has lots of great producers, it's lots of great great restaurants and the winner in June was actually a place that used to be very small and endurous. Yes, it was and it was a tiny little place, a a, a tiny little bungalow. I mean, I think perhaps only one or two people lived in it and, uh, you know, quite an out-of-the-way corner just outside Durris. And uh, there, Carmel Summers opened in uh, 2003 and uh, she built up, she's got such a great philosophy of food uh, she built up a reputation very, very quickly uh, for being a core mover and shaker. Um, and she's actually now got a national reputation as a leader in the uh, local food revolution. Um, she had a beautiful cafe there, but she also had from the outset also a cookery school. Now, it started with just with a few classes, and it very quickly became obvious that uh, this was a particular talent and something. She was doing slightly uh, off-key courses that were slightly different from other people's, and again, with a total focus on local food. And I think it very quickly built up that the cafe and, uh, and the... Uh, cookery school were working together very well and as I say she quickly built up this amazing reputation So it's, it was called the Good Things Cafe in Duras it and, was. and now in Skibbereen she's called it Good Things at Dylan's Corner That's right, it moved to, uh, she moved to Skibbereen about 18 months ago and to a beautiful premises, a two-storey premises, right in the centre of Skibbereen. And now this has really given her the premises that that this business deserves uh, to be able to go on to the next stage and to develop. Uh, there's a beautiful cafe downstairs. Uh, she's got a very good eye. The decor is absolutely is very original. Uh, she's very artistic. And upstairs, there's a cookery school and also the, the, the space that could be used for people watching demonstrations and so on also is, is a, um, a restaurant in the evenings as well. So it's a very complete package and it's really gorgeous. And uh, she's able, as I say, to, you know, to, to reach a lot more people. Um, that way she's also an author she has this beautiful book eat good things every day which is very practical and down to earth and uh, I presume that every single student takes one home Um, but you know what she does on her menus is is very different as well Um, her philosophy 
have her dedication to local foods and suppliers and you know her whole ethos of uh, of keeping things local and supporting everything in the locality the community uh, comes through in everything she does as it's not only saying on the menus and on her website um, you know who the suppliers are but it even goes down to having a separate page uh, dedicated to the health benefits of what you're eating which is wonderfully encouraging you know you're sitting there waiting for, for you know, you've just ordered something delicious and you're waiting for it to arrive and you can think about how, how much good it's going to do you as well it's wonderful. yeah because I see there's a very interesting point here about seaweed that there's twice as much vitamin C in seaweed than there is in oranges. I know, I mean, you'd never think it, would no. you? So I think, isn't it great that somebody's taken the tri- time to, you know, to list this out? And it's, you know, it's a good long list. So uh, there are plenty of really good things. <laughs> and fantastic, well-known suppliers down there as well, such as Goobine Farm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, the cheeses and the smoked foods and, of course, the... Um, the fresh organic produce as well that's a very kind of a complete package of the um, things that the Ferguson family can supply and then of course there's uh, smoked fish from Sally Barnes the uh, Woodcock Smokery and um, the Kingston family with their beautiful dairy products uh, which are um, produced nearby uh, just outside Esquibreen and that's lovely things including things that you did that are so different when they're made on a small scale but from your own farm Uh, country butter and creme fresh and things like that clotted cream too so you won't find those all over the country but in the locality uh, you know they're really different what about your butcher because i'd say she's very particular about where she sources her oh, meat goodness no yes she's very particular about everything i mean she's one of the most particular people that you'd ever meet anywhere so yes she has uh, william walsh the um the local butcher supplies her meats and also she's got a wonderful supply of organic chickens um Sheehymore organic farm uh, nearby as well. Let's talk about chicken for a moment. Yes, chicken. Um, and where people should be getting their chicken and yeah. that they should be very very aware and ask mm. questions about where their chicken comes from. Oh, I think the chicken is the most important thing. I wouldn't touch chicken when I'm eating out unless I'm told very specifically on the menu exactly who it's bought from and that, that is, it's, it's a genuine piece of information that goes back to source, not just that it came from... A particular it, 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 Exactly, yes, exactly. Sometimes that they, you know, they think that's enough. No, I think chicken really is the thing. So much chicken on Irish menus... Oh, no, it's imported a very long way away. <laughs> and it makes a huge difference to the taste. Absolutely, it does. Um, but also, when you think about the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the whole business of animal husbandry and so on, quite apart from our health you know it you, we don't want to to feel when we're enjoying a meal uh, that you're in any way involved with any kind of farming practice that isn't right so I, you know i think we should more and more think that way when we're going out that part of our enjoyment is that it's a holistic thing and that the good farming practices are very much part of it and chicken more than anything it is dangerous anyway if it, it doesn't come from the right place and fish, there would be lots oh. of nice fish oh, on the menu. Fish. Yes, and of course one of the dishes um, that uh, the Good Things is, is most famous for is the West Cork fish soup. It's something they'd done from the very start and they brought it with them, along with plenty of other good things, uh, to the new premises in uh, in Skibreen. And uh, the, also a Fingal's plate, which is uh, things from the smokehouse. But yeah, back to the fish, yes, the, I mean, the... the you, you really, I mean, West Cork is such a wonderful place uh, for buying fish, but she has local fish and seafood supplies, the fish station. And then also another one particularly worth mentioning is Ted Brown from Dingle, um, who are most famous, of course, for their crab. I can tell you really love this particular restaurant. Oh, it's absolutely stunning. Um, I remember last year going in um, at, at one point, about this time last year, actually, and uh, the gooseberries were in season. And gooseberries and elderflower uh, come into season at the same time, and they're such a magical combination. And uh, they have these huge meringues um, that that they have on display. I mean, when you walk in, you might be thinking savoury when you go through the door, but you see these massive meringues on display on the counter as you go in. And uh, then they have this beautiful uh, compote of uh, gooseberries with elderflower with the meringues. And absolutely, it was so good, I forgot to take a photograph. (laughs) 
I like that whenever my food comes and it looks too delicious and I realise I didn't take a photograph of it. Well, let's go to the very north of the country then, to Donegal, for just very quickly to finish off tonight. Um, and it is Restaurant Sage in Letterkenny. They're another winner from earlier this year. Yes, and this is completely different, as you say. I mean, you know, we've moved from an area which is really famous for its food, which, you know, over the last 20, 30 years has built up a, 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 an international reputation uh, as a food destination to one which is an emerging uh, food destination. I mean, they're working very, very hard in Donegal. And, uh, it, you know, it's great to see how Donegal and the Northwest in general is coming on. It, it's very, very satisfying. Every time we visit, we're, we're impressed by new places and new products uh, coming on stream. Um, this one now uh, only opened in 2013 under the uh, current uh, ownership. It's in, in Letkenny Town. Uh, Garvin Gallagher um, is the owner. And uh, what, is, what is it he describes himself? Uh, a food fanatic. So I think that's a very fair description because, you know, he, he really, he's, he's just mad about getting the food message across to Donegal people, how important it is uh, to support local producers and to showcase their food. And uh, everything on the menu, as far as possible, is sourced within 25 miles. So, you know, there are a few Irish restaurants doing that, and I think there should be more. I think it's, it's a very specific thing to put on the menu, and I think it's something that people really relate to. I think I think that's a great idea, and then it means that you can actually take your staff out on visits to those particular suppliers, and then they can get a greater understanding of where the ingredients come from. Maybe that's why they do it to say the staff outing of magic. You know, Twenty-five miles, we could just about manage yeah, that. There's, there's, there's no mileage claims <laughs> exactly. going in there then for hundreds of euros. <laughs> that's it. But yes, and no, actually, that's another thing I would really like more restaurants to do. Again, you know, there are, you know, there's a growing number now of, of, of restaurateurs who are making a point to taking staff out. And, you know, that's how to get the link, how to get people to understand that people are working on the floor, to understand that how important it is and to get them enthused about explaining to customers, uh, you know, where the food comes from and why it's so important that you try this dish. Uh, so, no, I think it's absolutely wonderful. And if you see, if you look at their website, um, you'll see on their menu, but also on the website, you'll see these um, these um, suppliers of profile. But also, you know, they've got the um, sort of the details of the trips that they've had and the fun that they've had going to visit them as well, which is great. In terms of suppliers, then some that will be known to listeners might be the likes of the Haven Smokehouse because the perennial police yes, did a lovely yes, video. Yes, and, and and actually that's the thing. Now I think I would recommend that people have a look at that. Um, it's um, yeah, the the perennialplate.com and you'll find you know that is one of a series of uh, videos uh, but th- this particular one is very interesting because it's really cute and you know the the setting is absolutely gorgeous it's a a very typical um traditional irish cottage and um the fish is uh, is smoked in the traditional way which is not usual in ireland i can only think of one other smoker and that would be um uh, frank in uh, cork uh, who is um doing it that way uh, but Declan at the Haven Smokehouse at Carragat uh, is hanging the fish over smoke, and the this means that it's he's he has this thing about this the smoke having been produced by peat, which is thousands of years old, and of course that's you know it's a, it's a lovely idea, and it, it, again it's something which just transports you back through history, so it's a lovely thing, and it's extremely uh, photogenic, and. Um, I, as you know yourself, Sharon, because you've actually um, tasted this fish. I uh, have, yeah. As coincidence would have it, I've spent a lot of time in Carrigart over the years because I had friends that used to live there. And and um, even now it says here about the scallops supplied by Jerry Gallagher. I'm quite confident I've had scallops from Jerry yeah. Gallagher about 20 minutes after he brought them out of the, the ocean. And, isn't and it they wonderful? were wonderful. And that's how to have... I mean you can eat them raw at that stage and they're just beautiful Uh, so that is a very special thing but I don't know now whether whether Declan visited Frank Hederman down in uh, East Cork um, at his smokehouse uh, near Cove 
Um, but it's it seems a, a, quite a coincidence that there are only two people doing it and that this is a very new smoker. And Frank, of course, has been doing it for a very long time. He's, he's a very established and very highly regarded smoker. So it may be that he worked with him or visited him because it seems to me that it's likely there's a, a connection there. Absolutely. Okay, well, listen, that is the restaurant stage in Letterkenny in County Donegal and the good things cafe at Dylan's Corner in Skibbereen and the details of those two Just Ask winners and all the previous winners are on the boardbia.ie website. There's a great map there which is heavily populated. Yes, terrific map. It's a great idea. Great. Listen, brilliant to talk to you as always, Georgina, and I look forward to catching up with you next month. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, Georgina Campbell, Ireland's leading independent hospitality guide, had details about the Board Bia Just Ask initiative. And we heard about two restaurants that were recently recognised with the award, The Good Things at Dylan's Corner in Skibbereen and Restaurant Sage in Letterkenny. So put those on your visit list for this summer. If you are just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday. Wednesday mornings at 9am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and if you have a podcast app on your phone you can get it there and it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, I meet a Breton man whose wares are a delight to buy in Limerick and I'm in Atty Flynn Estate to find out about what the current custodians of the estate are doing to return it to its original heritage. But next, we're going to my hometown of Newcastle West to meet Martina Sekela, who, along with her husband Martin, have opened a sushi bar in Bridewell Lane. Yes, that is correct. We have a sushi bar in Newcastle West. How lucky are we? Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Martina, you've opened a sushi bar in Newcastle West. They nearly yes. had to pick me up off the floor when I heard. What a wonderful addition to the culinary scene here in the town. What inspired you to open a sushi bar here? Um, we love sushi with my husband, so we are going to Limerick, to Cork, everywhere. We're trying to find the sushi, good sushi, because in the Poland, we are from Poland, because in the Poland, the sushi is every corner, like kebab or hamburger, you know, everybody loves sushi. Um, that's why we're going to Limerick, to Cork, and we want to order for the New Year party. Um, the big party plate and we go to the Cork and the lady told us that we must um, order one day before. So we think about this and we say that we try open the sushi bar in Newcastle West. Everybody told us, no, no, so Newcastle West is a very small town. It's not going to make it, but it's not, okay. it's not too bad, you know. Yeah, Irish people like crawfish, so it's nice. Your husband trained as a sushi maker in Poland. Yes, he's a sushi master, yeah. He's made a course, three months course, in the Japanese event group with the Japanese men. So he learned his everything and I learned from him. <laughs> yeah. And you're better than him, you tell me. <laughs> yes, I think so, because, you know, he's doing everything. He's cutting because we must cut the vegetables and the small pieces, you know, I can do this because my hands are cut. That's why he's good. He's doing this and I make the futomaki, California's roll, and he makes uh, small ones. So nigiri and hosomaki because this is very much precision, you know, to make them. Whenever it comes to ingredients for sushi, I'd say it's very important that you source the right ingredients. So tell us a bit about your suppliers and where your ingredients come from. Yeah, I think we have the best supplier of the crab meat and the tempura prawn. We have also from him um, salmon, but now it's a little bit quiet in his factory. We're uh, taking everything from the Ted Brown from Dingle. So our crab and our prawns are uh, wild, no, from the farm, yeah? They are catching in the, I think, Peninsula Bay or something like Dingle that. Dingle Peninsula? Yes, yes, exactly. So it's very nice taste and it's really fresh. It's really nice. 
if you're a vegetarian then or you have a bit of an aversion you don't like raw fish what can you offer to yes we have a veggie set so we have few customers who likes vegetarian yes so we have tomaki roll only with uh, vegetables as well we have nigiri with cucumber or avocado or piclet radish and we have as well Hosomaki with cucumber and avocado. So the vegetarian people find something for them as well. What's the most popular version of sushi that you sell here? Um, Futomaki and California, I think, because they have the most integrants and they're very tasty. So just describe those two. Which is the one that, that has the black seaweed exterior? Yeah, those are futomaki, yeah. And then the one that has the rice on the outside with, is it those sesame are, seeds? Uh, yes, sesame seeds, or we have also do with the raw. Not sesame seeds, but the raw, it's outside, yeah? The raw is outside. Yeah, 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 but if someone wants, you know. Okay. Yeah. And whenever it comes to serving then, it's served with soya sauce and a bit of wasabi. Yeah, wasabi and the piclet ginger, and as well we made homemade kabayaki sauce. It's very nice and tasty, it's a very sweet sauce to the sushi is the best for the grilled fish and the pura prawn and the crab meat as well. So it depends on what you're getting, whether or not you should use the sweet soy sauce or the savory soy sauce. Yes, exactly. Okay. Pickled ginger then. I used to think you put the pickled ginger on top of it, but it's, that's not what it's for at all. <laughs> no, no, not everybody like pickled ginger, yeah. That's why we put to the small bowl. And Pickled ginger is for that that you, if you have few of the um, tastes, yes? So you have crab meat, uh, salmon, and for example, tempura prawn, yeah? And if you eat um, salmon, you should eat one piece of piglet ginger because it's cleaning your uh, cups on your mouth, okay, yeah? So it's to yeah. cleanse the palate yeah, in between. Exactly, like yeah. you might have sorbet if you're having a yes, multi-course meal. Yes. Sometimes they serve sorbet in between. Yeah, exactly. What would you like to say to the people that maybe have not tasted sushi before? They must come and they must try because everybody thought the sushi is only raw fish, but it's not. We have the grilled fish, we have crab meat, it's cooked, and the tempura prawn. Um, we have also the vegetarian set, so it's not only the raw fish because everybody thought it's only raw fish in the sushi. Yeah. And you're making everything up fresh every day? Every day it's making fresh, yeah. You're open from 12 o'clock until 8 o'clock? Yes, every day. What times of the day do you find you're most busy? I think we don't have much busy for the lunchtime because I think the people don't know or they're scared, <laughs> I'm not sure. But after 3 o'clock and the evening time we have a little busy, yeah. Is your background in the hospitality industry or was your husband working in the hospitality industry? When you came to Ireland, what were you working at? I'm working in the Dell factory in Limerick because we live in Limerick. So I work in Dell and my husband is working in the building construction. He's building um, the Shannon Tunnel under the river. Yeah. So we work, you know, like most Polish people <laughs> at this time. Then I get pregnant. I born my child. So I decide to stay at home and my husband working all this time. Yeah. So you're not living in Newcastle West? Now I'm living from six years because we moved from Limerick to Newcastle West because it's a little bit quiet area and this is I think the best place to have a children. <laughs> well best of luck with the venture. Congratulations on being so innovative. Thank I think you it's, very a, much. it's a great addition to Newcastle West and it is fabulous sushi. I'm delighted yeah. to have tasted it and thanks for talking to me today. Thank you too. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. When I left Martina in the sushi bar, I called to the square in the heart of Newcastle West to see Jeff Glue. I'm now a regular customer of Jeff's and buy sardo and hummus off him every week. And I wanted to find out more about him, his background and his delicious wares. So despite the inclement, windy weather, he was happy enough to oblige me with a very quick chat. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Jeff, I didn't pick the best day to come and see you in the market. It's very windy today. It's all right, we're used to that. <laughs> You've been coming here a few years now. Uh, yeah, about three years now. And you're a chef by trade and a butcher. Chef by trade, originally a chef and uh, a butcher in France, yeah, in Brittany, yeah. How many years are you in Ireland? Uh, Thirty years. So and tell us what you sell here at the market. Well, what we sell is a, a mix of good, healthy food, as healthy as possible. 
uh, a bit of gluten-free stuff. Uh, there's a bit of sweet, there's a bit of savoury. So there's kind of something for everyone. There's lots of French influences here with your cakes and tarts and your chutneys. Uh, and there is. Uh, it's a mix. It's a, it's a joint effort. Siobhan is Irish, so we she makes a traditional brown bread and I would make some traditional Breton cakes as well. So it's kind of a bit of both. <laughs> the sourdough bread is very popular. That's what I come for every week. Yes, the sourdough is very good. It's uh, it's a healthy, it's a very healthy bread. Uh, we make it with strictly organic flour and organic white flour and organic rye flour. So and mineral water. So it's all it's all good. What's the advantage of eating something like sourdough bread over standard white bread? Well, the sourdough is the most ancient way of making bread. And it's made over two or three days, so the, the flour is totally broken down. You could say pre-digested because you use a pre-ferment, a, a natural fermentation. And so it's basically easy on the stomach for people. Uh, the, the, the body doesn't have to do too much to break, to break down the bread when you eat it. What is the most popular product in the stall here? I have to say... Uh, since we met, make the sourdough, yeah, it's, it has really taken off. But all the products are selling, to, to be honest, uh, nothing is left behind, really. <laughs> and tell me about the Breton products that you do specifically. Uh, the Breton is, uh, it's kind of a specialty from my place in Brittany. So it's a, it's a little, it's a semi-dry little fruit cake. It's lovely with tea or coffee. And traditionally, I'm putting, uh, every time I go back to Brittany, I bring back some, uh, some poutine. And it's a 30-year-old it's a apple poutine that we make. It's a traditional thing. So it's not an Irish poutine, it's a French no, one? No, no. If I run out of the Breton, I might use some Irish, but it's, um, uh, I hope the customs are not listening to this. Uh, but it is, uh, it's made in Brittany where we still have the rights. My neighbor makes it. She's nearly 100 years old and she still has a right to make about 15 liters a year. So it's, uh, this one is, is, it's about 30 years old now because she matures it for a long time. And so she has a constant turnover. 15 liters isn't very much. No, You're no, it, it, makes, it. it makes so many bottles a year. So she always keeps a few for me. Every time we go back on holidays, I bring back a few and it's, it's strictly for the cake. <laughs> what do you think of the food here in Ireland compared to France? How many years are you here? When well, you I'm first here 30 years and it, we've come a long way, I have to say. I've been working as a chef. Uh, I only stopped chefing about three years ago when we started the market. But um, when I came to Ireland, it was quite basic. Having said that, I loved the food when I came here. It was, it was a bit different. I'm from Brittany, which is the Celtic part of France. And we it's quite I wouldn't say peasant food but it's it's traditional food like you would get in places like Portugal as well it's a it's very it's basic but it's natural products local products tasty you know simple cuisine but very good that's the way food should be and do you like the Irish ingredients because we are very proud of them and we think we have very good ingredients yes, here I, I, I think Ireland is a fantastic place for for it should be it should be an example i think to to europe i mean if you look at the, the, the dairy everything is i mean the grass-fed where do you find grass-fed cows nowadays do you know so it, it really reflects and on, it's a reflection on the quality of, of the dairy here and 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 all the products as well i mean veg fruits vegetables uh i think the image of the green country is is, is perfect for ireland because it's a small country it's it's you know, it's it's a it's a perfect country to to experiment really with 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 natural products. I think compared to bigger countries where everything is produced on a larger scale. You know, do you enjoy cooking at home now? And what sort of things would you make there? Whenever it's not something that for, you have to do for, for a living, yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose you do it for a living now. Uh, in terms of you're making the items for the market, yes. but you're not cooking three course meals for people. Yeah, well, we we actually enjoy more cooking for ourselves now that we're not full-time cooking for, for other people, you're right. 
So, uh, like, I, uh, last night we had some guests in the house, actually, so we did some lovely Irish salmon in, in pastry. Uh, salmon on croute, so that was a bit of a treat. <laughs> and uh, I made a, a, nice, uh, a nice smoked garlic butter with our, with our smoked garlic. Uh, smoked garlic butter with uh, it is quite nice with our homegrown uh, herbs and just perfect with the salmon. So you do some growing at home as well? Yeah, we grow our own herbs. We're in Limerick City, but we have a, a good-sized garden and we grow all, all, all our, our own herbs that go into our products. When you go out to eat, then where do you like to go out for a treat? It's not easy. <laughs> when you cook lovely food at home, it's. It's, uh, I would say it's not easy to get impressed, but it's nice to go out and put the feet under the table, all right, and get someone else to do the cooking. Uh, where do we go in Limerick? Uh, we like Italian. There's a, we, we, like, we like all sorts of food. We, if we go by the seaside, we go for a seafood chowder, we go for the, the traditional, we love fish. I come from a fishing village in Brittany anyway, so I, I love fish. Um, but uh, in Limerick, we would go to Vicenzo for a nice pizza. It's a new Italian restaurant. It's just, he's, he's a real Italian. <laughs> so his, his stuff is, is quite genuine. That's a, a great recommendation from a Frenchman to recommend an Italian oh, restaurant. Oh yeah, oh, I, love, I love Mediterranean cuisine, yes, yes. Yeah, I love all sorts of food, as long as it's properly cooked and <laughs> with Absolutely. good ingredients. So you're at the market here in Newcastle West on a Thursday and yes, a Saturday, Saturday and yes. you're in Adair on a Friday now. We're, Siobhan is in Adair on Friday morning and I'm in Askeaton. Oh, so you're all over the place now. Oh. All over West Limerick. <laughs> <The> nationwide. <laughs> yeah, we stay around Limerick. I mean, there's, there's plenty. Uh, that's about as much as we can do because the rest of the time, we, we out of all our products, we, it, it takes so long to, to cook and bake and we do all our chutneys and everything. So we have enough to do. Half of the week is preparation, basically. And then we, we do the few markets, the Thursday, Friday and Saturday. That's about as much as we can do. Well, it's fantastic to have you here in Newcastle West. I love <laughs> all your you. goodies and coming to see you every week. And if people want to get more information, do you have a Facebook page or anything like that? We don't have a Facebook page yet. Twitter, <laughs> we spend, website. We spend more time in the kitchen <laughs> than the. We spend more time in the kitchen than in front of the computer. That's the thing. And uh, so sourdough now is taking more of our time again now because it has to be made fresh. Uh, but um, I suppose after this, now people listening to this, they, they know where to find us now. And to be honest, the word of mouth works wonder here. Fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, listen, keep warm in this blustery day. Great uh, to talk to you. We're used to it. It's summer. <laughs> You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was in a blustery Newcastle West Thursday market talking to Jeff Blue and earlier in the programme Georgina Campbell, Ireland's leading independent hospitality guide was talking about the Board Be It Just Ask campaign and we also had a sushi chat with Martina from Yo Sushi to Go in Newcastle West, County Limerick. Just a quick reminder that you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and you can also listen to it via the podcast app if you have it. And now it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now, the last part of the show tonight features a visit to Addy Flynn Estate, which is steeped in an agriculture and food production history that dates back over 500 years. The current custodians have brought the heritage back and grow apples along with a large variety of soft fruits. On my visit, I spoke to operations manager Paul Mordaunt, so let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Paul, it's lovely to be here in Addy Flynn Estate on the outskirts of Limerick City. Tell us a bit about the background to the estate. Hello, Sharon. Thanks a million for coming around today. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Um, well, the background for Addy Flynn Estate is quite broad and large, but um, 
from a, a brief historical perspective, the estate was established around 500 years ago, uh, originally on around 350 acres. It's been made a little bit smaller because of the motorway close by, but um, it's been used for food production of all shapes and sizes, from um, grain, animals, the whole lot. Uh, the wall garden itself has established a few hundred years here, so it's had a lot of um, food provenance in its history, and it's up to date now, something that we're trying to bring back uh, and shine, let that heritage shine through and so forth. One of the things that strikes you whenever you come in are the orchards. There's a lot of apple trees. That's right, yeah. We've just shy of 10 acres planted. Um, there's about 6,000 trees, over 13 varieties. So yeah, there's a lot of apples, and a lot of picking, a lot of good hard work to be done to, to get the apple in and make the quality juices, but it's... Uh, it's what's necessary to be able to do it at the, the level and scale that we want to do it. There's a lot of different varieties there. Is there a reason why you've selected certain types of apples? Sure, sure. Um, some of the varieties we have are, are classic varieties, such as your, your Red Windsors, your Christmas Pippins, but we've um, we deliberately looked for some unusual varieties, such as our Saval, which is a, an apple that's uh, grown particularly well in France. And then we've a Katia apple, or Katia, as it would be known in the Scandinavian countries. And... Um, they're selected for their flavour profiles uh, and also other design in their selection is around when they ripen. So we want to be able to bring apples in when they first start to ripen at the end of August. Uh, and then our last apples will be coming in towards uh, kind of the end of November. It spreads our workload out and makes things a little bit easier from a, a labour point of view and from a, a pressing and production point of view. Does that mean if I was to buy a bottle of Aldi Flynn Estate apple juice today and I was to buy a bottle in six months' time, would there be a big difference in the flavour? Um, there can be, depending on the variety that we press, of course. Um, what we're able to do now that we have some uh, new equipment is to control that um, the flavour profiles that we're putting out ourselves so we can do a single variety which works very well for an apple like the Saval, or we can blend them so that you've quite a tart apple mixing with quite a sweet apple. It gives you a much more balanced flavour. Um, so, you know, you're right. The, the times and the, the, the varieties that, uh, that yield the apple will definitely yield a different taste. And you mentioned to me whenever we were out in the tour about uh, a system where you put the apples to sleep. Yeah, we put them to sleep, so to speak. We um, So... Apples essentially ripen and continue to ripen when they're taken off the tree uh, or they oxidise. So we're able to put them into storage which controls the amount of oxygen and the amount of carbon dioxide that's in the, uh, the containers. And that in essentially puts the apples to sleep or, or pauses and, or almost completely slows down ripening. Um, some apples will, will take very well to this type of storage, some of them don't like it at all. And um, that's the beauty of having different varieties. It means that, you know, ones that don't like storage, we can press immediately. Others that like storage, we can leave in for three, six months. Um, another reason we do it is that although we grow apples for, you know, three, four months of the year, by being able to put them away in storage, theoretically Ireland could supply itself with all of the apples it consumes for maybe 80% of the year. There might be kind of a time frame around early June to or mid-June to mid-August, whereby we can't supply our own apples, which means we should be importing apples at that time of the year to satisfy our demand. But unfortunately, we have a dual way around, whereby we import about 80 to 90% of the apples we consume, and we only produce the, uh, the remaining figure. So by using technology and using these storage bins, it means that we will be able to hopefully reduce the amount of apples that are imported in Ireland. And if we could do that en masse with all of the other producers, we'd be in a very good position as far as the industry is concerned. So it sounds like you've invested in a lot of equipment and we're in the pressing plant at the moment, which is a relatively new addition to the estate. Yeah, yeah, it's a new addition to the estate. It's probably, it is the most modern part of it and we feel that we want to be able to incorporate modern production techniques and um, we sought out these um, this, some of this equipment from um, specialist apple growing regions in northern Italy, where they've mastered the art of doing this. They've created an industry in 50 years uh, from nothing. They've managed to turn a, a million acres into 20% of, of Europe's apple production um, in a matter of 50 years. So they know what they're doing. So we're trying to uh, emulate some of what they've done. You have travelled extensively and that's where you've done a lot of your research and got ideas to, de to develop the, the production here. Sure. and I, In fact, even, even 
ahead of the production or, or before it, I should say, you know, the manner in which um, food production takes place from, from growing to crop management to how it's distributed around the local economies in Europe is a model that we're, we're quite heavily chasing, you know. Um, Europe, or a lot of places in Europe will consume about 30% of the food that they grow um, in, in their local economies. In Ireland, we're probably in around 3 or 4% of what we grow locally, we consume locally. So not only are we borrowing some of the technical aspects from what we've seen around Europe, but we're trying to push it from an economic perspective and from a, a food production and consumption locally perspective, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. I think we need to be making more of an effort to consume what's on our doorstep and, and avoid exporting a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, some of the other industries in Ireland are great at doing their thing for, for export, but the problem then is that we're left exporting all of our good stuff and we're not keeping enough of it to consume ourselves. And not only are we going to consume it ourselves, but if we do do that, we propagate local industry, we pro- propagate the local producers um, and we, we keep things floating better than they are currently in Ireland. Food tourism is a huge opportunity here in Ireland. Where do you see Addy Flynn in that space? It's a great question. Um, it's somewhat an open book for us in, in, in probably a, a longer term plan, but in the short and medium term, we want to be able to open up the estate for horticultural tours, uh, whether that's ad hoc tours that people come in and do in a short term for an hour or two or three, or whether we develop courses that people can come on and um, and actually come in and learn you know, processes from start to finish about apple production, apple growing, bottling, and then even, you know, the marketing of some of the products. You know, it's really an open book for us, but we're early stages yet, but we're going to be able to build upon what we have and, and turn it into an amenity of that nature soon. So you, do you see yourself offering a visitor experience then if tourists wants to come and see, because this looks like you're developing a viewing area up above here the, so that people can come in and look at the pressing plant in operation? Um, well, interestingly, that's probably where an office is going to go. Oh, but really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope I've given you an idea. <laughs> <laughs> you may have, you may have. Um, no, we definitely do see tourism uh, and giving access to tourists um, being a, a very good potential business opportunity for us here. Um, I suppose we're right now we're 100% a food company. Uh, and as you've probably seen from coming in, it's... Uh, still in development and we're still trying to iron out how we're going to offer that as a package but it's definitely going to be on the cards at some point. Well I think I have to say as I came in the whole experience and the setup it's all very visually appealing it's all very well maintained there must be a lot of time and effort and people here to make sure that the place looks as well as what it does. Yeah there's there's a bit of grass to be cut all right <laughs> there's um there's, there's there's a lot of stuff that has to be done to to maintain um an estate of this size and of this nature but um, it's been a, a labour of love I suppose it's been under its current stewardship for 15, 16 nearly actually nearly 17 years now and um, it hasn't some, been something that's happened overnight so it's taken a lot of time to get it to where it is and and maintenance of that uh, image as you've described is, is something that we're, we're working strongly to keep the, wall guard, the walled garden in particular is, is very, it's very peaceful there and there's lots of different items grown there. Tell us about some of the products that are there. Sure, sure. Um, so we've really tried to bring the wall garden back from some of its original heritage when it was established a few hundred years ago. Um, you know, you would have had a kitchen garden, which would have been growing, you know, your root vegetables and your brassicas for consumption in the home, which you may have seen. We had a little box off area where we're doing a lot of growth for that. And in the past, when we've grown that, we've offloaded it to some local restaurants and so forth. Um, <clears throat> but now, <clears throat> excuse me, but now it's um, a little bit more commercial than your average wall garden may have been many years ago. We're trying to maintain that that peaceful feel, but we have... Um, you know, there's probably about a, a quarter, if not a little bit more than that, an acre of blackcurrants themselves growing, which grows into our blackcurrant preserves. Uh, we'll also be able to use those blackcurrants from a commercial perspective in juicing and so forth, so that we can add it to our apple juices and potentially make different varieties going forward. So we're making, we're trying to maintain its, um, its very good look and feel, but 
we do have uh, a commercial uh, method behind that to make sure that we're, we're using it to it, the best of its ability. You showed me a Tabery bush. I'd never come across that before. Just explain what that is. Yeah, so it's it's somewhat a cross between a, um, a raspberry and a blackberry. Um, it's As far as I know, how it works is that a, um, a raspberry plant or its root end is um, <clears throat> spliced in with, say, a blackcurrant tree. And the result is a kind of a crossberry, which are pretty, pretty tasty, actually. <laughs> and there's no thorns in the bush, you were saying? Yeah, they're, they're very, very minimal thorn in the manner that they grow because of the way the, um, the splice works on them, or the graft, I should say. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it makes it a little bit easier to harvest. It was very interesting, too, what you said to me whenever I asked about the birds, because I'd say it's just a, a feast for birds all over the estate. Yeah, well, particularly in the Royal Garden, it's when fruit starts to ripen up. Um, you're probably two weeks too early to see the, some of the blackcurrants coming in in full swing, but we would have some large walk-in cages that we erect over them, which have bird netting. Um, you might have seen some of our brassicas growing whereby there's already netting for butterfly and so forth and that's to stop them getting at our cabbage and our uh, spinach and things like that because they'll play havoc. And then up in, our, uh, up in our orchards, we're lucky because there's a lot of grain growing around the estate that somewhat distracts the birds but we've other methods whereby we hang reflective tape which kind of flickers in the wind, scares a few of the birds away and you just use a couple of these little tricks and also balance out the natural ecosystem of other animals and predatory creatures around to help let your apples grow in peace. <laughs> because obviously the birds and all of those other wildlife, they're very important to the whole yeah. ecosystem. They absolutely are, yeah. Um, it's Even in the last 15, 20 years, you'd even see a lot of game is kind of minimised in its appearance around these parts of Ireland because whether it's hunting or whether it's a, the local um, environment that has changed, but these were all important animals that have existed around land for many, many years and you can kind of see them kind of being reduced. So we have a very hands-off approach here with, with wildlife uh, with, and we really want to encourage it to grow. If you were able to see into the future, say in 10, 15 years' time, where would you like to see Aldi Flynn being positioned in terms of the, its contribution to the economy, say? It's a great question. Um, a lot of that lies with some of the current numbers that you'd see around apple production in Ireland. So, um, and, and it's one of the reasons why we're, we're doing what we're doing. Ireland consumes around, in the last figures done a few years ago, consumes around 100 million euro worth of apples. Um, we grow about five, six million worth, which means we're importing the rest. So without being able to give you the crystal ball answer to where, what we're going to be doing in 10 years, because who knows, we know that that's a big driver for us, is, to, is looking at that market and seeing we can be doing this ourselves in Ireland. And not only can we be doing it, but we can be working and encouraging other growers who want to get involved in this industry to do it. Uh, because you know, there's so much land around Ireland, we can plant a lot of apples if we really wanted to. So there's an industry there to be to be brought back uh, to an indigenous industry. Then there's also um, another ethos that we follow that's helped driving us, you know, for where we want to be in five, ten years, which is we sort of identified it as four pillars. So you have the the growth of or the horticultural aspect of what we're doing. Then you'll have the processing, which is adding value. So your apples turning into juice. Then we'll have the you know the supply chain and the marketing aspect, which is bringing that product uh, to the local market, uh, keeping it in a local supply chain, and then also being able to use the estate in some way to, as well as our uh, products, to to impress our consumers and to help them learn about how food is made. So whether they're on site here doing horticultural trips, whether they're using resources that we could have on uh, digital media or websites, or whether it's just through the consumption of food that they can realise that you know really good products can be made in Ireland. It sounds like collaboration is something that's very important to you. Absolutely, yeah. No one, I think collaboration is absolutely key. Um, Ireland is, is okay at it, but we need to get better at it. And we need to be able to work an awful lot more together as private companies and as private organisations uh, in a collaborative manner so that we can try and push things on on our own. Um, government is there to support, but um, you know, government, I think as you said, whatever they offer should be the cherry on top and the icing on the cake, but we need to push these things harder and own it ourselves. Okay, well listen, we're going to have a little tasting here before we finish up, so just talk us through the two products that we have here. Sure, sure. So... Um, both these products are made from apples that would have been picked in the last harvest that we had. 
there's some fizz in that now there so is this indeed. is the sparkling one so this uh, this is something that you don't often see in terms of apple juice is sparkling apple juice Lovely. there you are that's right yeah um sparkling apple juice is definitely not a common drink that you'd see around um people typically go for sparkling waters or well you know your normal sparkling uh, soft drinks that you'd see the the, the larger organizations making um, we felt that adding in fact one of the reasons we did this is because drinking apple juice in the morning is typically when people consume it uh, as an alternative to an orange juice but you can't grow oranges in Ireland so we won't talk about them um, and we were thinking right well how can we broaden the appeal of apple juice and and allow people to consume it either on its own or potentially if you were to run something else through it so we're trying to broaden the uh, I suppose broaden the appeal for the consumption of apple juice um, obviously we're not the first people to do it but uh, we, we feel that there's definitely um, a, 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 a much more complex taste profile when you add the carbon dioxide to it so it has a much more different mouthfeel and as I say if you were to, to mix it with a nice gin or something like that it's quite good Funny that was just going to be my next question do you recommend it to go with any particular spirit and I would imagine it would be lovely with gin Yeah it, it typically goes very well with a very mild flavoured gin if you have a gin that has a lot of botanical in it the flavour profiles might clash or if you have a very clean crisp vodka which doesn't impact the taste of the apple juice too much. It goes quite well in that as well. We're not great vodka consumers in Ireland. Gin's a little bit more popular, so we'd probably see people asking the question about gin more. Yeah, I must give that a go now with gin because <laughs> I'm partial to gin. And I'll yeah. just get you to open then the other sure. one. That's the, the non-sparkling one. That's right. And do you find that one is more popular than the other? Um, it's a great question. It's hard to ascertain the answer to that right now because we've just brought the sparkling version out a couple of months now. Um People are, like yourself, a little bit intrigued because they might necessarily have seen it. Some people just aren't into fizzy drinks. Some people love them. So if you ask me that question in a year, I'll be able to give you an informative answer. Funny, I have a four-year-old now who's mad for apple juice. He loves apple juice and he's not a fizzy drink person at all. And the odd time when we've been out and the apple juice has been a fizzy one, he goes mad, just doesn't like it. Whereas I would prefer the fizzy version. That's right. Or the sparkling version, I should say. Correct, correct, yeah. I mean, it's each to their own we find that um, when we're, we're attending food events where we might have a stall and we have our products we see a bit of surprise on people's face when they try to spark an aversion they may not have liked apple juice they try it they're like I suppose we could say we've converted them <laughs> well you've definitely converted me I've loved that now and thanks very much for the tasting and oh, for no. having me here today best of luck with it and keep us posted now as the whole business develops sure sure well we'll, we'll keep you posted and we'll um we put up as much as we can on our website and our social media to allow people to, to follow what we're doing. You can get us on Twitter on at Atty Flynn Estate. Our Facebook profile is Atty Flynn Estate as well and you can follow our developments there. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Paul. You're very welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleunte. So thanks again to Paul for hosting me in such a beautiful place to visit and made all the sweeter with tastings of the Addy Flynn apple juice. And if you fancy a swig or two of that, it features on my food tour of Newcastle West. And the next one is next week on Thursday, the 20th of July. And all the details are online on my website, SharonNoonan.com. And of course, you'll find this week's show in the podcast section of the website later in the week and all of the previous best possible tastes. So thanks so much for your company this evening and for listening and to all of my guests for talking to me, Georgina Campbell, Martina Sekala, Jeff Glue and Paul Mordaunt. If you've missed any of tonight's show or you want to listen to previous shows of The Best Possible Taste, be sure to check them out, as I said, on SharonNoonan.com. And until next week, have a fabulous week and bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with the best possible taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.